This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access media organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz. Hear more from Free FM. For a small monthly fee, you can become a patron and support independent community media. Go to patreon.com slash freefm89 to find out how. Tarawan Saranai and welcome once more to the program. Of the six perfections that a Bodhisattva develops in his training on the way to becoming a Buddha, we are discussing the perfection of concentration, and in particular the one-pointed concentration known as calm abiding, or samatha. This is a concentration which enables you to place your mind on any object you wish to, and it will stay there for as long as you wish without any physical or mental discomfort. To imagine what that's like, Think how long you can sit in one position without moving a muscle. For most of us, it will not be very long, maybe just a few minutes at the most. Some will find it extremely difficult to sit still for 45 seconds, never mind a few minutes. Then you can see what an astounding accomplishment calm abiding must be. If you have it, you can sit without moving at all, with both your body and mind completely at ease for as long as you like, years even. Calm abiding or samatha is not unique to Buddhism. Many adepts of Eastern religions practice and attain it. I think even some Christian mystics attain it, though they usually don't say much about what they experience. What is unique to Buddhism is what we do with calm abiding. For some meditators, it is an end in itself, and people think that they have attained some kind of enlightenment once they have developed it. But the Buddhists say that's not so. You may experience all sorts of states with calm abiding, but it doesn't permanently eradicate the troublesome imprints on your mind. Sooner or later, you will lose it and return to your old samsaric ways. Buddhists use calm abiding to develop a special insight by meditating on the nature of reality. And it's a combination of shamatha and vipassana, that's calm abiding and special insight, that will free you from the suffering of cyclic existence. In the same way as you need both a strong arm and a sharp axe to cut down a big oak, you need the strong concentration of calm abiding and the sharp wisdom of special insight to cut the enormous tree of cyclic existence. With a weak arm you can't cut down the oak tree even though you have a sharp axe, and similarly with a weak distracted mind it's impossible to destroy samsara. You also need a sharp axe. If you try to chop down a huge tree with a blunt instrument, you're going to have a very hard time, even though your arm might be as powerful as Arnold Schwarzenegger's. So you need the power of special insight to cut through our usual thick delusions and get to the truth. So that's why we develop calm abiding. Of course, in any worldly activity, it's also very useful. The better you can concentrate, the better your chances of concluding something successfully. And we talked in a previous program about the importance of sportspersons' ability to bring their whole mental strength to bear on what they're doing if they want to be successful. It can be even more important than physical ability. Now last week in considering how to develop calm abiding, we got onto the subject of what we can use to focus on and I listed a number of objects. Basically you have to look at what will please your own mind. 
Remember I mentioned how one Buddhist meditator used the horn of an ox as his object and successfully achieved calm abiding. But we did talk about meditating on an image of the Buddha, or if you're a Tibetan, a deity, or one of the antidotes to the afflictive emotions, or even one of the five aggregates itself. And that's our starting point today. But before we continue our discussion, let's take a little time to examine our motivation and turn it towards enlightenment if it's not already there. That is the most powerful and beneficial motivation, especially if we make it the enlightenment of all beings and not only our own. So let's pause for a second for the sake of motivation. Thank you. Now the five aggregates or factors that make us up are form, feeling, discrimination, compositional factors and consciousness. For those unfamiliar with them, basically we're a body and mind, body being the physical body and mind being a main consciousness that merely notices things and a whole bunch of mental factors, 51 in all, that accompany the main mind and determine our reaction to stimuli. Two of these factors are picked out because they are very important to us, that is feeling which means the experience of something being pleasurable, painful or neutral, and discrimination, the faculty which knows the difference between things, and in particular, for Buddhism, the difference between right and wrong. All the rest are lumped together with one or two other things as compositional factors. And that's how a person is defined in Buddhism. Form, feeling, discrimination, compositional factors, and consciousness. We can use one of these as our object of meditation to attain calm abiding if we want to. Then when we've attained calm abiding, if we want to increase our knowledge and wisdom of the others, we can use them as our object. What I'm proposing now is not what we talked about last week when we used the five aggregates as an object to antidote pride. In this concentration, our aim is to develop calm abiding while gaining some wisdom about the object we've chosen. So let's do an exercise now on concentrating on consciousness. We will make the mind itself our object of meditation, sitting and focusing its spaciousness and knowing nature without getting involved in any of the thoughts, emotions and so on that might arise. We have to try to keep our attention sharp so that if we do get caught up in thoughts, and especially thoughts to do with attachment, we quickly bring it back to its proper focus. We also have to guard against the laxity we spoke about last week. Just briefly again, with gross laxity, the object is stable but unclear, while with subtle laxity, it's clear and stable but not intense. The mind has become too relaxed and the fine focus has been lost. With gross excitement, the mind is caught up with something you have attachment for and you completely lose the object you are supposed to be meditating on. In subtle excitement, the mind stays on the object, but it is disturbed by an undercurrent thinking on an object of attachment, like water flowing under ice. Now these two, laxity and excitement, are the two main obstacles to keep a watch out for. So, okay, now let's meditate. First, focus on your breath, letting the thoughts come and go without being involved. Count on each in and out breath, up to 21, and then back again, if that helps.
Now focus on the mind itself, its spaciousness and knowing quality. Let the thoughts and mental activities just pass on by without taking any notice of them. But notice if a tendency to want to get caught up arises and try to keep your attention on the mind itself. If the attention does wander, notice as quickly as you can and bring it back. Be aware especially for instances of the mind wandering to objects of attachment or losing the clarity or intensity of, in of concentration. So now let's focus.
please come out of meditation. You may have found that a little difficult, especially if you hadn't meditated in this way before. But to use the old cliché, practice makes perfect. So even if we're not yet ready to do a long retreat on calm abiding, we can practice a little day every day to make our minds more familiar with concentration, and that will plant imprints that will make our eventual development of calm abiding so much easier. In the Tibetan system, you have to go through a number of strenuous preparatory exercises called nundros before doing a long retreat on calm abiding, so it's not easy. But with the correct instruction and preparation, it can be done. Other objects we can consider for a practice on calm abiding are aspects of the Four Noble Truths, visualizing oneself as the Buddha or a deity, or seeing our body as a symbol, like a bell, a lotus, a sun or moon, and so on. In the Theravadan tradition, a round-colored disc is also suggested as an object of focus. However, as I said last time, in the end, calm abiding comes from a mental, not a physical image. So although we may make a disc and start off concentrating on that, when an image of it is clearly visible in the mind, we will change our focus from the actual disc and start concentrating on the disc in our mind. However, if we don't like the idea of using a disc, there are many other objects we can use to focus our mind on. Hear more great content like this podcast by becoming a supporter on Patreon. Head to patreon.com slash freefm89. Let's do a little practice on such a one. This time imagine that your ordinary body is transformed into a pure body of light. You radiate light in all directions and into all realms, eliminating the darkness of ignorance. The color of the light is up to you. So create this visualization and then try focusing on it, keeping your image of yourself clear, stable and vivid. Use mindfulness and awareness, just as we did earlier, to keep your attention on yourself as this pure light body. And if it threatens to wander off, bring it back and focus again.
Thank you. Now please come out of meditation. How was that for you? I hope you were able to keep the mind firmly on the object of meditation and it didn't wander off too much. In particular, did you notice it wandering to something you might be attached to? You would have found it more difficult to bring it back in that case than if you tried to bring it back from an object you were not attached to. That is why the distinction is made between objects of attachment and objects of distraction. You may be trying to concentrate and the mind wanders with longing or affection to your partner or children. Those would be objects of attachment. Or it may go to something like remembering to include soap powder in your next visit to pack and save, which has got little to do with attachment. Now I'm trying to point out that it's much easier to bring the mind back from thinking about soap powder than focusing on someone or something that makes us go or gooey inside. So that's why objects of attachment have a category all of their own. Also in your meditation, did you notice your focus becoming a little too relaxed and losing the clarity of what you were watching, the mind itself? In other words, were you able to catch any laxity that may have occurred during the meditation? Again, it's not all that easy, is it? That's why monks stay for so many years in the forest trying to perfect their meditation technique. Now for the last few minutes of the program, let's try something else. This time bring to your mind your good fortune and your happiness and rejoice in that. Focus on the mind that rejoices, always coming back to that. If it fades, remember your good fortune and happiness again. Let the feeling of rejoicing arise and when it's stable, put your mind firmly on that and try to keep it on that experience without any more thought. Keep mindfulness and alertness going on just as before. So let's try.
Okay, now please come out of meditation. We've tried a number of objects of meditation in the program, and my hope has given you some idea of what you can use to develop calm abiding. Now our time is up and we must go. Please try over the next week to meditate on the mind itself, as we did in our first meditation today. We'll practice this meditation again for a bit longer next week. Thank you for joining us today, and have a very happy week. Goodbye. Thanks for listening to this Free FM podcast. If you want to hear more content like this, you can support Free FM via Patreon. Head to patreon.com/slash Free FM eighty nine to find out more.